When a borrowed axe head sank to the bottom of a river, the prophet Elisha tossed a stick into the water. God caused the axe head to float to the surface. Get ready to get your spiritual edge back and experience God's ridiculous recovery. Good morning, Orchard. Who's ready for some football today? It's finally here. But first, we've got a message that we want to bring to you to conclude our series this morning. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 1 this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We're concluding our message series called Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. As you're finding your way to 2 Kings 6, let me ask you by a show of hands, how many of you, like me, often misplace things? You misplace things. Your car keys, your shoes, your sunglasses. I, this is a true story. I've actually had this happen. I've been talking on my cell phone and I'm in a hurry to leave the house and I'm looking for my cell phone. Anybody else with me on that one? Okay, I feel much better. And, and this is actually happening. I'm on my phone. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm, I'm frantically going, where is my cell phone? And I'm thinking this as I'm talking to this person on the phone and, I, and I'll see Shelly and I'll be like, have you seen my cell phone? She's like, yeah, you're on it. Oh yeah. Okay. See ya. You know, we, sometimes we misplace things. We lose things. But let me ask you this question. Have you ever lost something spiritual? Have you ever lost something spiritual? Have you ever lost your spiritual edge? Maybe there was a time in your life you had this incredible passion for God and you were close with God, you're walking with God. And you, if you're honest, you would say, I kind of lost that along the way. Maybe you one time had this amazing joy in your life as you're walking with the Lord and, and maybe the joy isn't quite there. Or you had this incredible hope and faith. And even though there were challenges and tribulations that were coming in your life, you just still had this very strong hope and faith. But somewhere along the way, your faith isn't as strong. Your hope isn't as strong as it once was. You lost your spiritual edge. I think if we're honest, we've probably all been there at different times in our life. Maybe some of you, this is going to speak specifically to you this morning because maybe there's some area of your life you've lost your spiritual edge. Well, today we're going to talk about how do you get it back? How do you get your spiritual edge back if you've lost it? Now, in this series, Elisha, Tale of Ridiculous Faith, in, in Ridiculous Faith, we've burned some plows, we've dug some ditches, we've gathered some jars. But today, in 2 Kings 6, we're going to see a really unusual miracle that Elisha performs, and it seems to have no point. It seems to have no purpose, but I think there's going to be some things that God is going to show us in a wonderful way and how they apply to our lives to get our spiritual edge back. Before we jump into 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, let me give you a, a little bit of background a little bit of context what's going on there's basically this young prophet and it's not Elisha but it's it's somebody that Elisha is mentoring he's a pupil he's a student of Elisha and he's chopping down a tree to gather some wood to build a building and this axe head goes flying off of of the axe handle and it falls into a body of water to the Jordan River and Elisha comes along and he miraculously makes the axe head that's made out of iron float now, you may be thinking, well, okay, big deal. What's the big deal? What's so special about that? Well, during this time, iron was very valuable. It was very costly and expensive. And this young prophet had borrowed this, this axe from someone else that had a lot more money because he was just a young prophet. He was going to seminary school, living off of Roman noodles, had student loans to pay. Anybody identify with that? And so here he's got this expensive axe that he's borrowed, and now the iron that's valuable has fallen into this water, and he's freaking out because it doesn't belong to him. And he's like, how am I going to get this back? Or how am I going to pay this back? And, and one of the first things we learn in this story, it's not even in your notes, but it tells us this, that our big God cares even about the smallest details of our life. 
If you believe that, say yes. Our big God cares about the smallest, what may seem like insignificant details of our life. If you get a headache, God cares about that. You know, he wants to help take that away. If you've got a big test coming up, you say, God, will you help me with this test? He cares about that. Um, he, he cares about it when I lose my cell phone or I can't find my shoes. He, he cares about that. Yeah, I believe God even cares about parking spots. How many of you guys, be honest, you've ever prayed for a good parking spot, especially during the holidays? You know, you go to the mall. I learned this from my mom. Uh, my mother uh, just turned 86 years of age. She lives in Michigan, and uh, she just stopped driving this last year. Thank you, Jesus. We finally got her to give up the car and just let everybody show for her around. We're like, Mom, you dri you've driven long enough. But I remember growing up as a kid, I'd be riding with my mom, and we'd be going into a parking lot, and she would always pray for a parking spot. And many times, she, one would open up. We'd pull in, she's praying, and boom. And she'd be, see, God answers prayer. God cares about the details of our life. And God cares about the details of this story. You remember there was a prophet named Elijah. And he mentored Elisha, who we've been learning about. But Elisha now is going on to mentor other young prophets. And he started this school, sort of this seminary school, for up-and-coming young prophets. But the problem was there were so many people coming to this school that they outgrew their building. They outgrew their facility, and they needed to build something bigger. Does that sound familiar, Orchard Church? And so that's what's going on as we jump into this story. Let's read it in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to see some wonderful lessons in this story uh, this morning. You're going to have to forgive me this morning if I'm a little bit hoarse. I have to remind myself every year at this time, I cannot go crazy on Saturday college football because I have to preach on Sunday. And yesterday, uh, my team, the Oklahoma Sooners, went into double overtime and won. Yes! And Shelly's team, Notre Dame, um, won at the last minute. So I, I got to remind myself. So if you guys could text me and remind me, don't get too carried away on Saturdays because it spills over to Sunday. But for, forgive me this morning. I'm a little hoarse. So chapter 6, verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, and these are the students, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. We needed to build a bigger place. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. He, he, he said, yes, let's build this building. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And they're like, Elisha, we want you to come along as well. We like you. Come with us. And so he answered, you know, go. And he said, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'll go with you. Verse 4. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they began to cut down trees to build this building. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. So he's got this borrowed axe that he's chopping, you know, chop, chop, chop. And then all of a sudden it flies off. Plop into the water. I can do that again, but I won't. And so it falls in the water and he cried out and he said, alas, master. Notice he didn't curse. He didn't cuss. Okay. He just said, alas, master. If, if Pastor Marcial or Spanish pastor were preaching, he would say, this guy said, no manches. That's what he said right here. And he's like, oh my goodness. For it was, help me church. It was borrowed. It didn't belong to me. How am I going to pay this back? So the man of God, who was Elisha, said, where did it fall? Where did the axe head fall into the water? He showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, and he threw it in there, and he made the iron float. I mean, there's the miracle. Therefore, Elisha said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. 
This is an amazing story, but what is the point? How, can, how does God want to speak to us this, through this story, especially if we've lost our spiritual edge? Here's your first key thought that you need to put in your notes. The key thought is this in this message. God wants to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I believe with all my heart that God wants to help you find what you didn't mean to lose because we have an amazing, gracious God of restoration. Amen? We have a God that loves to restore that which has been lost. We have a God who loves to take broken pieces and put them back together again. And so we're going to apply this story in a metaphorical kind of way and learn about our God of restoration and how he puts things back together and he helps us find the things we didn't mean to lose. And I want us this to be very practical to each and every one of us today. And I want you in your notes, you have some blanks there, to answer this question. How have you lost your spiritual edge? How have you lost your spiritual edge? Now, if you're here today and you say, well, I really haven't lost my spiritual edge. Actually, things with, with God are great. Then praise God. But there's probably a lot of you here that if you think hard enough, there may be an area of your life. Maybe not in every area. But maybe in certain areas you would say, you know, I once was on fire for God. I was once doing this for God, but I've lost my spiritual edge. And I want you to be specific. Uh, maybe for some of you, you're missing out on close Christian friendships. It's important that we don't go through the Christian life alone. Amen? God didn't intend us to be Lone Ranger Christians. And so he wants us in fellowship with other believers. And maybe there was a time in your life that you were in a small group and you were connecting with other believers who prayed for you and loved you and cared for you and helped you get through the week. But somewhere along the way, you know, maybe you took a break for a semester and then one semester led to a second semester and a third semester. And now you're not going to small group. I really want to challenge you and encourage you. If you've lost your spiritual edge from being with other Christian people, get into small group. This semester. I'll say it again. If there was ever a semester at Orchard Church that it is vital that you be in a small group, it's this fall semester. Would you agree that we are, we are experiencing historic times at Orchard Church? Amen? Historic times. We get ready to celebrate our 10th anniversary next week, but we're going to be talking about what God's going to be doing the next 10, 20 years, and everything we're going to be talking about in small group is going to be centered around what we're going to be talking about right here on Sunday morning, discussion questions and what God is doing in our church and, and what our future looks like and how to build a legacy. So if you want to be in the know and you want to be a part of what's going on in these historic times, make sure you're in a small group this semester. Uh, maybe if you're honest, you'd say, I, I love lost my spiritual edge in my area of service. There was once a time I was serving God. I was working in the children's ministry. I was a door greeter. I, I was serving. I was helping set up or tear down, but I took a break and that break was one month and then it was three months and, and, and maybe a summer break. Now it's time to get back into the game because we just feel better when we serve, don't we? But it's not just all about us, but it's about giving back. As God has blessed us, we get to be a blessing to others. Uh, my daughter, Caitlin, she's getting ready to turn uh, 18 this next week. I cannot even, now I really feel old. I've got, I'm going to have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old in, in the next two weeks. And uh, the other day, just unsolicited, we were riding in the car and she said, I just love serving at Orchard Church. She, she's been serving in the middle school. She's a counselor in the, in the youth group. Um, she's been serving in children's ministry, teaching one of the classes. And not because, you know, her dad's the pastor. We didn't tell her to. We didn't suggest. She's just been doing it because she wants to. And now she's been doing the rundown. I think she's a natural, huh? That was her on the screen doing the rundown. She does a great job. But, but you know what she said to us? She said, I just feel better when I'm serving. And we all do. 
Maybe that's where you lost your spiritual edge. Maybe, maybe you lost your spiritual edge in the area of prayer. Maybe there was a time where, man, you had a regular time that you talked to God every day. Maybe you had a prayer journal, but somewhere along the way, you lost your spiritual edge in that way. Maybe you used to share your faith. You used to talk to people about uh, your relationship with Jesus. You used to invite people to, to Orchard Church, but you haven't done that in a while. Man, next Sunday is a great Sunday to do that. Invite them to our one unified service. First time in six years, we're going to have one service together. It's going to be incredible. But maybe you lost your spiritual edge in how you talk to people about your faith. Uh, maybe you've lost your spiritual edge in your marriage. Maybe there was a time that you and your spouse, man, you, you guys had a great, close, intimate relationship. You used to go on dates together. You used to love being together, but you let, you know, the kids get in the way and work get in the way and just life get in the way. You lost your spiritual edge with your marriage. Maybe you used to just have a positive outlook in life, but somewhere along the way, your heart got a little cold and a little bit cynical. We, we don't mean to lose our spiritual edge, do we? But it just sometimes happens. It's not like we wake up and go, well, I'm going to decide to lose my spiritual edge today. It, it just happens. But let me, let me give you some insight scripturally to how it happens. We don't mean for it to happen, but here's one, one of the reasons why it happens. Because anything that good that God is doing in our life, we have an enemy named Satan that wants to steal that away. Amen? He wants to take it. He wants to steal it. He wants to take away our spiritual edge and our walk with Christ. Jesus said it this way. He reminded us of this in John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose, and the thief is Satan, is to steal and to kill and destroy whatever God is doing. He wants to take our spiritual edge. But Jesus said, my purpose is to what? Give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus wants to help us get back that which we did not mean to lose. He wants us to help get back that spiritual edge. I can tell you firsthand, I know what it's like to lose your spiritual edge. Because it's happened a couple of different times in my own life, if I'm honest. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Christ when I was eight years old, July 4th, 1976 is when I accepted Christ. And then when I got into middle school, we had a great um, youth department, a, a youth group at our church. I had a wonderful youth director, which is why I'm so passionate about students to this day and having an awesome youth group here. And um, I mean, I was serving God as much as a middle schooler as I ever have, even to this day in my life. I was on fire for God. I mean, I was inviting all my friends to come to church. I led many of my friends to Christ. I, I, I was the one that was buying all the cheesy 80s Christian t-shirts and wearing them to school. I had this favorite one that I used to wear all the time and, and it showed like a pair of shoes and there was like, you know, something was missing and there was just clothes laying there and it said, in case of rapture, this t-shirt will be empty. Anybody have that one? And I wear it to school all the time. And I had this, this great relationship with God, and I was on fire for God. It was in middle school that God called me into full-time ministry to be a pastor someday. In middle school. And that was my plan. And then I got into high school. And I, I turned 16. I got a car. I got a job. I got a girlfriend. I got out of church. I got out of youth group. And for about five and a half, six years of my life, I lost my spiritual edge. I was going in a totally different direction than what God had called me to do in my life. And then I remember one summer I met some Christian friends that I grew up in church. They got me back into church. And then instead of going back to the University of Oklahoma to finish my degree, I went off uh, to Bible college. And I went off into ministry and, and, and got my spiritual edge back. And, and, and that's, that's what happened in my life. But then I remember I was, my first um, area of service in ministry was student ministry. And I did it for about six years. And, and when I was serving in student ministry, man, we just loved on teenagers. And, and I mean, if you're going to love on teenagers, you just got to accept them where they are. 
I mean, they're, they're one day, one, one day they're this and one day they're that. And man, we were seeing kids that, I mean, hadn't grown up in church and they didn't know Jesus. And they, you know, they were already starting to get into a lot of trouble. But we saw, it, we just loved them where they were and how they were. And we saw God do amazing things in their life. And I, and I got my spiritual edge back. And then after six years of student ministry, God called me to go to a church in Indiana. And I, I, would be, I was the assistant pastor. And I thought I'd be there a few years and then maybe I'd go pastor a church or I would start a church. And so I went there and after a year, the pastor left. And the day after my 30th birthday, they called me as their senior pastor. 30 years old and now I'm pastoring this church. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Now you'd think that'd be a good thing. But for me, it wasn't. It was a bad thing. I began to lose my spiritual edge. I'll tell you why. And some of you can identify with this because... I became pastor of a church that had been around for about 50, 60 years. It was a much more conservative church than Orchard Church is. You had to talk a certain way. You had to dress a certain way. If some of you know what I'm talking about, say yes. And instead of being who God called me to be, and instead of me allowing the Holy Spirit and God's word to do work in people's lives, I started trying to fit into the mold of that church and what I thought I was supposed to be. I wore a suit and tie every single Sunday when I preached. Which is why I never wear a suit and tie at Orchard Church now in 10 years when I preach. You would never see people wearing NFL, you know, apparel in, in the church that I, that I was pastor of. And, and I began to be very judgmental of people. I began to judge people's spirituality more about what they said and what they wore and what they did than what God was doing on the inside. And I began to lose my spiritual edge. And I began to make people think that as the pastor, I had it all together. But I really didn't. And I lost my spiritual edge. I didn't mean to. We don't mean to lose our spiritual edge. But it sometimes just happens. So here's the question. How do you get your edge back? We're going to look at two lessons from this story today. If you've lost your spiritual edge, how do you get it back? And then I'm going to share with you how I got mine back. How God allowed me to get it back. The first principle is this. You have it in your notes. If you're going to get your spiritual edge back, number one, you've got to be honest about where you lost it. You've got to be honest about where you lost your spiritual edge. Look at this in verse 6. Elisha said, so the man of God, Elisha said, now help me out, church. Let's say it together. Where did it fall? Okay, that was pathetic. 8 a.m. service did better than that, and they were barely awake. Now, come on. Let's say it together. Where did it fall? So the man of God, I'll get this right in a minute, said, where did it fall? What's he saying? Show me where you lost the edge on this axe head. What was he saying? The axe head isn't gone. It's just where you left it. It's not really lost. It's just where you left it. We've got to be honest about where did you lose it. Uh, I, I'm pretty convinced my wife Shelly must have talked to Elisha at some point because she says this to me all the time. I'm like, I can't find my car keys. I can't find my shoes. And she'll say, honey, they're where you left them. Thank you. Thank you. They're where you left them. They're not really lost. You, you just got to be honest about where, where, where they're at. And that's what Elisha's saying here. Where did it fall? Show me where it fell. So the question for us this morning is this, where did you lose your edge? If you think about it, I bet you can figure it out. Where did you lose your spiritual edge? Where did you take a wrong turn? If you're honest, maybe you started getting into wrong relationships like I did. 
I stopped hanging out with all of my, my Christian friends, church friends, and I started hanging out with kids that didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with having friends that are not believers. I mean, how can we reach people for Christ if we don't have some friends and acquaintances that don't know Christ? But I believe that biblically, the Bible is clear. Our deepest, closest, most intimate friends that influence us the most ought to be believers. I'm, I'm waiting for some amens there because that's what the Bible says. Those ought to be our influencers. We influence them and they influence us. Maybe you got in some wrong relationships, some wrong friends. Maybe you started dating the wrong person, if you're honest. And that's where you lost your spiritual edge. The first step is you've got to be honest about where you lost it. If you think hard enough, maybe you would say, where I lost my spiritual edge is I dropped a discipline in my life. There was a spiritual discipline that I was doing when I had my spiritual edge. But as I look back, when I stopped doing that, I lost my spiritual edge. I used to read my Bible on a regular basis and let God speak to me, but I stopped doing that. I used to pray and talk to God on a regular basis, but somewhere along the line, I stopped doing that and I lost my spiritual edge. I used to be in a small group with other believers. I used to be in discipleship. I was being discipled, man, and I had a spiritual edge. I was discipling others, but I took a break and I've been on a long break and I've lost my spiritual edge. I used to serve and I've, now I've stopped serving. I used to give God what belongs to him first. I used to tithe and, and God taught me to be generous instead of being greedy. But I, I, somewhere along the way, I stopped doing that and I lost my spiritual edge. If we think hard enough, we can be honest about where did we lose it? That's where it starts. Where did you lose it? For some of you, We've heard your testimony. For many of you, you, you maybe grew up in church or you, you had some exposure to church. And then, like me in high school, college, whatever, you got out of church and away from God. But then you started your own family and then you got back in church and you've got your kids in church. You're coming to Orchard Church. And you know what's happened? You've got your spiritual edge back. Praise God for that. Amen. For some of you, if you're honest, I'll tell you where you lost your spiritual edge if you think about it. Somebody hurt you. Somebody hurt you. And you blame God for the mistakes of human beings. Aren't we good at doing that? You know, your friend lets you down. Maybe a Christian friend lets you down. A pastor lets you down. A church let you down. And so you blamed God for that and you lost your spiritual edge. It's amazing, you know, how we blame God for the mistakes of people. I hear people say all the time, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. There's a great meme that's been going around Facebook. I got it. Not going to church because of the hypocrites is like not going to the gym because of out of shape people. That's a good one to remember. Where did you lose your spiritual edge? You know, as I think back in my life, when I lost my spiritual edge, what happened is when I became a pastor at 30 years old, I cared more about what the people thought about me than what God thought about me. I started playing, trying to play Holy Spirit in people's lives. And instead of allowing God's word, the power of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit to change people, I thought I could change people. Well, you talk about setting yourself up for failure in ministry, thinking that you can change anybody. I had a, a couple just yesterday and they were trying to pay me a compliment. But they said, you know, um, Orchard Church and you have changed our lives. And I said, no, I haven't. God's changed your life. Amen. I've just been able to be a small part of it. I've been a conduit and a channel. But God is... But I, 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 I lost my spiritual edge when I thought that I could change people instead of let, letting God's word and the power of his spirit change people. How do you get your spiritual edge back? You first got to be honest about where you lost it. And then once you do that, here's the second thing. With God's help, you take back what you've lost. You first have to be honest about where you lost it. Go back to that place. And then with God's help, you take back 
what you've lost. We see this in this story. Verse 6. So the man of God, Elisha, said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place where, where he lost it. So he cut off a stick. He threw it in there. And he made the iron float. There's the miracle. Therefore, he said, now help me, church. I'll give you another chance. Help me, church. What did he say? Pick it up. Let's say it again. Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, this young prophet, and he did what? He took it. Notice, don't miss this. Elisha didn't pick it up. Elisha performed the miracle and made it float. God helping him with the miracle, doing the real miracle, using Elisha as the conduit. But then Elisha said to the young prophet, now it's floating. You pick it up for yourself. Elisha could have picked it up and gave it to him. But he said, no, God's done his part. Now you do your part. You have to pick it up. And our good God specializes in helping people find what they didn't mean to lose. And with God's help, he performs the miracle. We can take it back. We can pick it up. We can take it back. We can pick it up. We, God does his part. Then we do our part. Only God can send the water, we learned one week. But we've got to dig some ditches. Only God can multiply the oil, but we can gather some jars. Only God can make an axe head float, but we can pick it up when he makes it float. We can take it back. Now here's the warning. The moment that God does something in your life and gives you an opportunity to pick it up or take something back that you didn't mean to lose, be sure of this, church. We have an enemy, Satan, that is going to be right there to stop us. And he's going to whisper in our ear things like, it's too late. You'll never have it again. You've messed up too much. Well, I'm here to tell somebody this morning under the authority of God's word, with our God, it's never too late. It's never too late to pick it up, to take it back, to be the person you could have been, to have what you could have had, to be blessed the way God wants to bless you. Does anybody agree with me, Orchard Church? That's what we're talking about. It's never too late because we have a God of restoration. And with God's help, you can take it back. You can pick it up. You can have what you once lost. I saw the illustration of this just this week. It was so amazing. I had two different couples in our church that called me up on the spur of the moment about a week ago. And because of the teaching of God's word here at Orchard Church, especially our marriage series and things we've done like that with Song of Solomon... One couple, um, he was, uh, his wife had passed away. He was a widow. And the, uh, the, the lady, her husband, they had been divorced. And so he bought a brand new house. And they were just getting ready. They had gotten together and started dating. They'd been dating, I think, a year, year and a half. And he bought a, a new house. And they were going to move in together. But, but they weren't married. And they called, they actually sent me an email. And they said, Pastor Doug, we're stepping out on ridiculous, ridiculous faith. And would you meet us at Red Rocks? Next Sunday afternoon, and would you marry us? Because we don't want to move into this new house and not be married. And we're just going to step out in ridiculous faith and just do this. And, and I married them last Sunday afternoon. And then I got another email. Are you ready for this? You talk about it's never too late to do what is right. 67-year-old lady, 72-year-old man. They've been living together for several years. I, I don't know their other previous marriages or story. And they emailed me and they said, would you come to our house Saturday evening? And would you marry us? Because we want to be right in God's eyes. And we want to be a good example to our grandkids. And I did their wedding last night. Is God good or what? Man. You can't make this stuff up. 
You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. You can find what you didn't mean to lose. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you allow God to do his part and then you do your part. Because only our good, gracious, loving, merciful, forgiving God can speak to our heart and give us an opportunity to repent. And to show some humility and turn back around and God works in our heart and he does his part. And then we respond to that. We respond to that love. We respond to that mercy. We respond to that grace. We say it all the time throughout this series of ridiculous faith. You do what you can do and you let God do what you can't do. You do what you can do and let God do what you can't do. You can't make an access float. But once it does, you can pick it up. You can take it back. I'm reminded of this when Jesus one day was speaking in Revelation chapter 2 to an entire church. And the whole church had lost their spiritual edge. They once were on fire for God and then they lost it. And listen to what Jesus said. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. What's he saying? You lost your spiritual edge. But then he gives them an opportunity to give it back. To get it back. Look how far you have fallen. You've got to recognize where you lost it. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take it back. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pick it up. Listen, Orchard, I hope this will speak to somebody this morning. If you want what you once had, then do what you once did. You know, I I, I apply this verse to marriages all the time. If you want the kind of marriage you once had, then do the things you used to do. Go on dates. Spend time together. Communicate. If you want your spiritual edge back, go back and do the things you used to do. Get back in the word. Get back in prayer. Get back in a small group. Get back in discipleship. Get back to serving. I'll tell you how God worked in my life as a pastor in ministry to get back the spiritual edge that I had lost. With God's help, he gave me the opportunity to take back and pick up a true, genuine heart for people that I quite honestly had lost. And it's amazing God's timing and how these things work out. Because it was exactly 14 years ago this Sunday, today, that it began to happen in my life. 14 years ago this Sunday was the Sunday after September 11th. And that was a Sunday when churches were flooded with people on 9-11. 14 years ago this day. And I'll never forget this man... Among many people, and, and, and let me just tell you, that church, there weren't a whole lot of unchurched, unsaved people walking in the doors. We were just kind of a holy huddle. We were a social, Christian social club is what we were. We weren't attracting unsaved people. We weren't attracting unchurched people. But that Sunday, they were showing up because of 9-11. And this man walked through the door. His name is Jim. And I met him at the door, and I'll never forget it. He, was, he had tears in his eyes, and he said, I haven't been to church in years. He said, but 9-11 got my attention. And I thought, what if that had been me? What if I'd have been on one of those planes? What if I'd have been in the Twin Towers and I'd lost my life? I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I had the privilege. And this guy was messed up. His marriage was messed up. His life, he had all kinds of struggles. And I just, man, my heart just broke for him. I didn't judge him by the outward appearance. I just looked like God did on his heart. I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ baptize him and over the next year I discipled him I saw him grow in his faith his marriage God did incredible things and God began to give me my spiritual edge back because now I really cared about people and meeting them right where they were and then that same year another a man in our church that was a friend of mine he, he had fallen into the addiction of pornography and he had tried to share openly and honestly and humbly with some of the people, men in our church people, that I'm struggling with this. Can somebody help me? And it's so sad to tell you that a lot of the people in our church just condemned him and they judged him and they shunned him. And I'm like, 
We're not supposed to kick people when they're down. This is one of our brothers. We got a fallen soldier and, and God broke my heart for my friend and I came alongside him and I loved him and I prayed with him and I cried with him and we saw God give victory in his life over that addiction and God began to give me my spiritual edge back. And then there was another man in our church, a great friend of mine, a hunting buddy. He went through this horrible divorce. His wife committed adultery on him and people in our church, they didn't know how to respond to it. You know, they're not used to marriages having problems. And so people did, kind of pushed him away, but I loved on him and I, I accepted him and I walked with, the, the, with him through that and I cried with him and God just began to give me my spiritual edge back and a real heart for people and to love people right where they are. And with God's help, I took back what I lost. And when I had the opportunity to plant Orchard Church 10 years ago, I planted Orchard Church as a different kind of pastor. And I hope you guys have seen that and experienced that for the last 10 years. I hope you have. One of the things that we hear people say all the time about Orchard Church is, I love that it's so real. I love that the teaching is so real. And that's the way we want it to be. We want it to be real. We want it to be genuine. We want it to be authentic. It, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside and what God's doing in people's hearts. And we want to have the same kind of heart for people in this community that God does to see people who've lost things, get them back. To see lives and marriages and families restored for the glory of God. Amen. To see people take back what they didn't mean to lose. I got a quick video I want you to show of a family in our church where we saw the God of restoration step in in a huge way. It's Jesse Gonzalez. Hey, Jesse. Hey, doing, buddy? He's got a special testimony he's going to share with you guys real quick. Good morning. Uh, my testimony dates way back to when I was 12 years old and I was blessed with uh, my childhood sweetheart. It started at a young age and as the years went by and I grew into a man, I realized that she was still there. Um, the Lord blessed us with uh, an opportunity to be husband and wife. And, um, you know, we started our family at a young age. I... Uh, asked her to marry me, and uh, she said yes. And uh, we got married, had four more blessings. As if we were blessed with an amazing family, I had a great job, um, had everything going for me. Unfortunately, the only thing I didn't have was the Lord in my heart. As the years went by, and through all life challenges and ups and downs, um, I allowed that to tear me apart. Became an alcoholic. I uh, unfortunately was unfaithful to my wife and destroyed my family. About uh, 2010, we separated and we were separated for about a year. I was uh, egotistical and, and a stubborn man and went off and did my own thing, uh, not realizing what I had. And in about 2011, she filed for a divorce. Unfortunately, we both ended up going our own separate ways, had our own separate relationships. And one day, the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you doing? You've become the person you promised your family you would never be. January 15th, 2013, I dedicated my life to the Lord and to my family. Um, my wife and I did divorce. We were separated, but at that point in time, I dedicated rebuilding myself for my kids and for my family 
and realized how much I truly love this woman and my family. We have brought our family back together. Um, I'm able to be there for my children and see them every day and be there for her and be the man that God wants me to be. And with that, we are so grateful. We hear so many different testimonies today and, you know, just amazed on how much light he shed upon our family and upon this church. We've been coming here for a short period, um, but through Pastor Doug's amazing leadership and the love and support of this church, he's done so much work in our hearts and in our family, and we now have a home. You just thought you were coming to church today. You were actually coming to a wedding. So we're going to get to see them rejoin in marriage with all their family here today. By the authority vested in me as a minister of the gospel in the state of Colorado, I now pronounce you two husband and wife. I think that's worth celebrating, Orchard Church. Is that awesome work? With God's help, it is never too late to take back that which you didn't mean to lose. And when God gives you the opportunity, he just asks us to take it back, pick it up. And maybe some of you, God is speaking to you in that particular way this morning. Would you bow with me for prayer? An attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed as we just think about this message that God has for us this morning. You know, the prophet Joel said this, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. I will give you back what you lost. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Will you pick it up? Will you get your spiritual edge back? Why would God do this? Because our amazing God specializes in helping people find and get back what they didn't mean to lose. Will you pick it up? Will you pick it up? How many of you this morning, God has been talking to you? And you would say, you know what? With God's help, I want back what I lost. And I'm willing to pick it up. If God will allow me to, I'll be willing to pick it back up. There's some things I need to start doing again to get my spiritual edge back. I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to let God do his part. If that's you this morning, if God's spoken to you in that, that way, would you slip up your hand for prayer all across the auditorium? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Hands, many hands in every section. God bless you. Father, I pray that you would please help all of us to get our spiritual edge back, myself included. There's areas of my life that I know I could be sharper in. Lord, that you would help us to just humble ourselves, repent where we need to repent, turn back to you, and take back what we didn't mean to lose. We thank you that you are a God of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration. And I pray that you would take some of the broken pieces today, and broken lives, and you put them back together. I pray that you would restore some marriages and some families and some lives as we take back and pick up what we didn't mean to lose. For your honor and glory and for our good. With heads bowed and eyes closed, and we will be looking around for just a minute. For some of you here this morning, God has been speaking to you in a different way. Here's how he's been speaking to you. You maybe didn't realize it before this morning, but the thing that is lost is you. It's you. Spiritually, you're lost. The Bible describes those that have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins as people who are lost. They're on the wrong path. They're going the wrong direction. But praise God, we have a God that loves us so much that he keeps looking for us. 
And for some of you this morning, God has been waiting for this moment on this day in this place, right where you sit. He's been pursuing you. He has been calling you. He's been drawing you. He's been looking for you. And today, he wants you to be found. He wants you to be brought into his family as a child of God. He wants to forgive you of all your sins, past, present, and future. It's not too late. You haven't done too much that is wrong. God's just been waiting for you. And all you have to do is pick it up by faith. Pick it up by faith. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, forgiven, have everlasting life, a home in heaven. All you have to do is call on Him in faith. How do we call on God? Through prayer. And I want to help some of you. I wanna, I wanna, you say, well, I don't even know what to say. I'll help you with the words. I want to give you an opportunity right where you sit right now to pray a prayer of faith from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, you today can have all your sins forgiven and you can be saved and you can become a Christian. You can come, become a believer. Just like Jesse Gonzalez talked about. When he found the Lord, that's when God began to put the pieces of his life and his marriage and his family back together. Maybe that's you this morning. If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Make these words your words from your heart. They go like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins. Jesus, I don't want to be lost any longer. I want to find you today. By faith, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Restore my life today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. Thank you for a second chance. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, an attitude of prayer. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I would never want to do that, but I'd love the privilege and honor. If you just prayed that prayer of faith from your heart to God's and you meant it, I'd love to pray for you that you would just grow in your personal walk with Jesus from this day forward. If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand right now so I can see it all across this auditorium? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you over here. Yes. Anyone else? Just put them up nice and high so I can see them. Thank you. God bless you. Several people. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, a whole family right here. Mom, dad, looks like a, a son. God bless you guys. Praise God. Anybody else? Thank you. Several people. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we are just so overjoyed today at your goodness, at your love and your mercy and your grace. We are all just broken, fallen people looking to you for restoration. And we know that it's in you and your son that we find it. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us second chances, third chances. Help us to always pick up and take back that which we didn't mean to lose. Help us to keep our spiritual edge. Lord, thank you for those in, in the 8 o'clock and the 930 service. Many people today that raised their hand and said, yes, today I, I prayed that prayer of faith. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would celebrate today the way the angels in heaven are celebrating every time even one person comes to know you as Lord and Savior. We welcome them with open arms as brothers and sisters in Christ into the family of God this morning. Thank you, God, that you're a God of restoration. Thank you for being so wonderful in our lives. And may we show our gratitude and love in our service to you. 
and our honor and worship to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate Orchard Church. So much to celebrate this morning. Amen. If you raised your hand and you said, I prayed that prayer of faith, I accepted Christ this morning, please let us know about that in your connection card and your newsletter. Just give us your, your contact information so we can continue to pray for you, send you some information in the mail, just help you in your new walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thank you for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Um, we hope you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. I will send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail, uh, so thanks for being with us this morning as first-time guests. Before we close in a song of worship and worship through our our generosity and our giving, um, if you consider Orchard Church your home, I mean, you're, you're, you're invested here. You've been here a year or two. You're a regular tender here at Orchard Church. If you could give us about three to five minutes of your time, we'll just gather right down here real, real quick. Um, we've been asking you guys to help us to um, free up seats because we're continuing to grow and reach people for Christ. And so we're going to tell you an opportunity how you can help us in the next year till we get our building built. And you don't even have to go to the 8 a.m. service. Okay, so if you could just stay for a couple of minutes, just as soon as we dismiss, just real quickly gather right down here. Gary will talk to you guys about this opportunity. We would really appreciate it. All right, let's stand as we close the song of worship and worship through our giving and we sing about our God of restoration.